Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you today? I'm doing very well. And you? I am doing well. So we're springtime in February in Virginia. Yeah, it's gotten a lot warmer all of a sudden in the last 24 hours. I, I, I track this very closely because I have an old house and the outer wall where my water pipes run up from our downstairs to our upstairs appears not to have enough insulation to withstand sub-freezing temperatures. Oh, that's so not good. when it gets cold, we have to leave the hot water dripping all night. Okay. And <laughs> as of today, I don't have to do that for like the next five days, which is a real relief because it's really annoying to try to go to sleep and have water dripping in the sink 15 feet from you. So I guess you can't go away like in the winter, right? No, you can. You have to leave your hot water well, dripping. Well, I mean, so, but if you left when the weather was relatively mild, you're not going to leave your water running just in case, right? Do you call a neighbor no, no, and be I like, ab- hey, turn I, on no, my water? I, ab- I absolutely would leave the water running <laughs> if I left for a week in the winter because you won't know beyond three days if you get a cold front in, all of a sudden my pipes will be frozen. So uh, it's a, I'm, I'm acutely sensitive to temperatures. Not fun. Hey, it's the it's the uh, joy of owning an old home, <laughs> and this this method, even though it's wasteful, is cheaper than ripping up all my walls and putting in insulation. I would imagine it would be, or dealing with the broken pipes, right? Yes, yeah, definitely cheaper than the broken pipes. So we have a fun topic today that is kind of ripped from the headlines a little bit. Uh, today, we're uh, I guess we should backtrack. I had sent you an article about a young lad in Tennessee who challenged his state legislators to kind of walk a day in his shoes. Um, He's a wheelchair user, so that was a really bad analogy, but um, challenged the legislators to to see what life is like for him. And I think it was a day that he asked them to, to kind of live their life in a wheelchair so that they could have firsthand experience of accessibility issues and things like that. And I thought it was a really, really interesting article and a really cool concept that this kiddo came up with. Um, and I thought maybe we could talk it out a little bit today. Yeah. And I, as we try to frame out the issues and make them specific to our community, I think uh, a few things jump to my mind, Peggy. First, you know, living with amputation can be really hard to describe for us to people outside of our world. And it can be very hard for them to understand. It's, it's not something that's intuitive. Um, and things that we take for granted, living life with a prosthesis or other mobility device um, is very hard for people with limb, people who don't have limb loss or limb difference to get their heads around. And in this podcast, we thought it would be a fun and interesting topic to look at First, why being able to shift other people's perspectives and put them in your world, have them walk a mile in your shoes or um, roll a mile in your wheelchair um, is so important. And we're also going to talk about a few quick and easy uh, techniques for trying to figure out how you can get people into that place. Absolutely. Dave, let me start by asking you, uh, is this something that that you have done or you have considered doing uh, with Kara or a family member to, you know, have you ever taken part in, in something like this? 
No, I haven't, but I will tell you, and and we'll probably get to it a little bit later in the podcast as we start talking through some of the specifics. This has come up very directly when I've talked to people about how you get um, how you can influence payers, insurance companies, okay, and the importance of education and being able to get them to see us as more than a an item in a profit and loss statement that's a very high per unit cost and instead get them to see the challenges of navigating the world without the appropriate type of medical devices to support you. So I've seen it, but actually it's been on the professional side, not the personal side. Okay, because this is not something that that I have done either. I have been at the conferences where they've had different simulators and things like that. Um, but I've never kind of thrown my husband into that mix um, or my friends. And I started to think about it. And, you know, it's not something that, that I feel comfortable. Like, it's not in, intrinsically natural for me to, to start telling people about um, the frustrations that I encounter or the daily adaptations that I, that I undertake. Um, it's just, unless I'm in the community, I kind of try to keep it to myself. And why is that? Do you think? Um, honestly, I think people, my perception is that people aren't going to want to hear it. You know, I don't want to be seen as a complainer or a curmudgeon or somebody who's so negative. I also don't want the, the wrath of pity, you know, the, Oh, poor Peggy thing. I hate that. Hate that. Hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it's not something that I feel comfortable doing if I'm having a bad leg day or if I've been up with phantom pain and I talk with a friend who has limb loss, I'll tell them, you know, I have no problem complaining to somebody else who I know experiences those issues. But if it's, if I'm talking to a completely able-bodied friend, um, although I'm sure that they would be sympathetic, I know that they wouldn't understand and sometimes, also, sometimes when you're kind of in the midst of it, you know, when I'm having a bout of phantom pain, the last thing I want to do is take that as an educative, you know, as a moment to, to kind of educate somebody on what it might feel like and kind of walk them through all their stairs. Because all I want to do is get over it and vent and move <laughs> on. <laughs> I was going to say, when, when you're having phantom pain, pretty much the only thing you want to do to other people is tear their heads off for looking at you the wrong way because you're in so much pain and it's just, it, it pretty much debilitates you psychologically and physically. Exactly. And then you um, have all of the, well, that's just so fascinating. And what does it feel like? And I'm just, you yeah, know, no. and I want to like, in that moment, I'm imagining different ways to hurt that person. And that's not, that's not friendship either. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and phantom pain. Phantom pain is really interesting. The 40 days you don't have it. Exactly. But the 41st day, it's not interesting at all. Um, the other, you know, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, I think the one reason that people have difficulty with it is because they don't want to be perceived as complaining or, or whiny and, and think that people will view them t- talking about it as just kind of being a drag. I also think I, I, I have always tended not to talk about it but i think that's because i am and and we've talked about this many times before peggy you know my whole rehab was predicated on sort of oh i'm not really an amputee i mean yes i wear a prosthesis and i'm missing my leg from you know above the knee down but not really an amputee i'm not you know i just happen to have to wear this and so 
I, I think there are those among us who work very hard to sort of either um, we, we can call it glass half full and train ourselves not to see limitations, or we could say some of us are a little delusional, uh, but maybe in a healthy way. Um, and therefore, it's not the kind of topic that we just spend a lot of time focused on because basically we've trained ourselves out of it because anything like that is, if you build your psyche up that way, is an acknowledgement that you're not really where you want to be physically. Right. Um, and so um, I, I think both of those things, and by the way, uh, I think there are probably some people who straddle both of those worlds simultaneously. I don't think those two things are inconsistent, not wanting to complain. And I've trained myself out of this and glass is half full and really everything's quite good. And I'm very lucky to you know be able to do X, Y, and Z. And, the, and then there's the whole issue of you don't want to complain too much because you know somebody else has it worse, which yes. does not negate what you're going through. And that's, that's one of my biggest struggles, just because I know somebody else has more phantom pain or more issues than I do, doesn't mean that the pain that I'm feeling is not very real and very legitimate. But that's probably a topic for a different podcast. It's a great point, though, Peggy. And, and, I, and I'll say, even if you are comfortable talking about it, so you know, we, we spent the last five minutes talking about why it's uncomfortable to talk about this and given a few different reasons why it might be. Even when people are comfortable talking about it, they're, they're not sitting there saying, well, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm, I'm totally cool talking about it. Then you have, and it can still be hard to discuss simply because we're not always really aware or self-reflective about what the challenges of life with limb loss, limb difference are. And I, I mean, I think this is probably just largely an individual thing, but some people are very self-reflective and in their own heads about this stuff. And other people aren't. And so you may be very comfortable talking about it, but if you're not really sitting there thinking about these issues a lot and ruminating on them, you may not have a lot to say on the topic. So um, there are lots of different reasons why it can be hard for us to discuss um, limb loss, limb difference with people who don't uh, have those, those are physical challenges. Right. But I think that, you know, it, it is good to do, you know, don't, this is a situation where don't do what I do, whereas you don't talk about it. Right. Um, because for the most part, we are as individuals with, with limb loss are kind of the ambassadors for the community to those who have all of their limbs, because you never know when something might happen to them or to a loved one or to another friend. Um, and up until kind of our interactions with these people, their, their sole knowledge about people with limb loss and limb difference might be those feel-good Cinderella stories that we see on the news um, or the inspiration porn that they share on Facebook, oh, look at this child, isn't this great, um, without really getting deeper into what issues might be. Um, what do you think? No, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I, I think this is one of the reasons why if you're on the outside looking in, so now stepping back and, and you and I lost our limbs at an age, we were old enough to, you know, I, I think we can reflect backwards and say, wow, you know, I never thought about limb loss and, or I never really would have had a grasp or I didn't have a grasp of what it was and think about why that might be the case. And, and I do think what, you know, the major challenge here is that, um, it's it's hard to conceive of something and really understand it when really your only interaction with it 
is feel good stories on the news and uh, inspiration porn. And we've done a whole podcast on that before. You know, these are things that don't really talk about what it's like to live with limb loss. They talk about, isn't this person amazing? And they overcame. The, yes. Yeah. We should celebrate the, the resilience of the human spirit and these, this individual's remarkable rebound. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it isn't inspirational at some level. I'm not saying that it isn't something that we should be celebrating. But if that's the only view you have of it, that's you're not getting a very complete picture actually of the the broader the the broader diagnosis and the treatment that's associated with it. And this happens. I see this phenomenon a lot uh, on Paralympic years. Uh, especially newer amputees get very frustrated by their able-bodied friends and even well-meaning family members who call them up and say, you know, I just saw this runner, you know, it doesn't have any legs and has these really cool running blades and they're running a mile and why aren't you going to the grocery store? Yep. So there is a situ- there are situations where those feel-good inspiration stories can don't provide a true portrayal and an accurate version of what it's like to live with limb loss. And I think, Dave, deep down, people don't think about it. First of all, it's not on their radar, right? It's not something that you sit around wondering. But it's also, I think if you do think about it, it's one of those, I could never do that. I could never live without my without my arm, without my leg, without two arms, whatever. Whatever you're thinking, I could never do that. So therefore, there's something remarkable about that person that they can do it because I know I couldn't. Yeah, and that I couldn't, I think, and you and I have talked about this before. When when we've talked actually about, I, I don't know if it was on the Inspiration Porn podcast we did or not, but I know, I remember writing about this a long time ago. Um, when I was writing this stuff, um, you know, celebrating others and saying you're an inspiration and you're remarkable, it's a way of creating distance. Yeah, there's admiration, but it actually creates distance between you and that other, that other person who's remarkable and inspirational, whatever. And I think the reason for that is that it's really scary to think about what would life be like if I didn't have all my limbs? Could I deal with that? How would I respond? And I think those types of really deep, almost existential questions tend to back people off. And they just, they they respond not by thinking about it more, they respond by thinking about it a lot less. And so they just shut down. And it's very hard as a result for people to want to or easily get into a headspace where they can say, all right, I, I, I have some inkling of what it might be like to live with less than four limbs. I, I think it's really hard for able-bodied people to do. I think it is too, but I think that it's important. And what this young man did in Tennessee, I thought on some level, on a very simple level, was brilliant in its simplicity of the challenge of, you say that this world is handicapped accessible, show me. Get in a chair and show me how you go through the day. Um, yep. No cheating, all self-reporting, and and he made he made a point, and he made his impact, and trying to provide the education on what it's really like, the true real life issues that that amputees and individuals with limb difference are facing every single day, 
the more that we can get the general public to understand those barriers, those obstacles, those issues, the easier it becomes when we're advocating for remedies, for devices, for change, for that, for the community to see, well, yes, of course they need X, Y, or Z or changes to whatever policy. You know, there, there's a, a baseline understanding that if we can develop that before we really need to rally the troops to fight, I think the entire community is stronger. Yeah, the the hardest challenge is trying to do that when when we have what I would call the same planets, different worlds phenomenon. That's two people who live literally on the same world, but they uh, are the same planet, but they they are looking at each other as if they're you know, in completely different worlds. Very hard to successfully advocate, communicate in that scenario. But when you're able to bridge that gap uh, and shift other people's perspectives, there are very concrete ways in which it can help us. Um, you know, one way, Peggy, is public policy. You know, uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna get legislators. Um, at a state and federal level to recognize our needs and or the impact of policies, regulations, laws that they are passing. Um, the only way to do that is to bridge the gap. If we want to help influence insurance company coverage, you have to bridge the gap. And if you want, you talked earlier about pity. And, and if we want to convert pity and objectification into collaboration and mutual partnership, you have to bridge the gap. And that's one of the things that we have the power as a community to do. And it's it's one of the things that I've always found most interesting about limb loss. And um, it's one of the things that I'm most thankful for as a result of, of this journey is the ability to try to do that um, and have those discussions and bring people together. Because Lord knows we have enough polarization in every other aspect of our lives today in, in the United States. Um, you know, bringing people together around any issue you can is, in my view, a really valuable thing. And it, it starts one-on-one. Absolutely. And one of the ways that I do it, Dave, is on social media when a friend does post an article about, about the running legs and a runner, say, okay, then I'll just in the comments say, great technology. Unfortunately, it's not accessible for most people due to insurance. Yep. Or the uh, so-and-so was granted uh, a, pr- a prosthesis by, you know, or let me go back. Not not granted. Uh, the the kids who are having devices made by high school three D printing clubs, right? Those are yep. feel good yep. stories that are all over the country. Phenomenal. I love seeing communities come together to support somebody and to make something that they need. But I'm always that naysayer now. Going, this is phenomenal. It's so sad that they had to go to a high school to get a device because their insurance wouldn't cover it. Or they, they couldn't come up with the copay, um, you know. So I'm. That's how I'm trying to do this: is just bring constant awareness to. Great that they were given this by a high school club. Sad that they had to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Peggy, do, you know, let let's talk through a few a few sort of simple cheats to you know how how do you start trying to bridge the gap? What are ways in which you can do it and the first one that, that I thought of is just taking the time to sit down and think about specific things that you do. Um, and so, you know, I travel a lot. 
And I, it was interesting. I was just having a conversation actually the other day with a physical therapist who's a friend of mine. And uh, this individual was putting together a training program around, um, you know, common activities, community activities, and how do you deal with them? Because uh, they're going to they're gonna do some patient education around it. And one of the things I said right off the bat was I said, how about um, showering when you're traveling in a hotel um, and you don't have a wheelchair and you don't bring crutches with you when you travel? So how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it came up because I, I had a good friend who uh, a few years ago, she said to me, you know, I'm really we were at a conference together and she said, I'm having to hop into the shower. I almost killed myself today. Um, it's really scary. And I said, you stand in the shower and she goes, yeah, don't you? And I was like, no, I throw, I throw one of those towels that's bigger than a washcloth, but smaller than a full towel. I put that on the floor of the shower and I slide into the shower and I sit because I'm not, if I fall in the shower in a hotel room, I'm screwed. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be hours before anyone even finds you, um, much less, uh, gets to help you. So, um, those type, you know, simply thinking through the the really basic things that we often take for granted. It's just part of our routine, but it would it, that's really important for people. You know, it would be important for someone in a hotel to understand that. Yeah, in in a room, if if I've got someone who's handicapped, but they're not in a handicapped room, this is how they're actually navigating the environment around them. That's important for them to know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember I was, as you were telling that story, I was thinking about the first time that my friend and I went away for like a girlfriend weekend after my amputation. And she saw me crawl after I'd taken my leg off. And I I had to get my phone on the other side of the room. And I just crawled to it because I didn't want to put my leg back on. And she was just horrified that that I was crawling. And I'm like, dude, this is my reality now. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I didn't bring crutches. This is, I either, you know, I could have put my leg on. I, it was easier to do it this way. Um, and kind of having some of those conversations I think is, is a really good way. Um, my, my contribution to how do I do it is, is calling out all of the insurance issues. I think the grant programs out there for individuals with limb loss and limb indifference are phenomenal. Makes me really sad that we need them. Uh, the GoFundMe's break my heart every single time I see them. Yep. Um, and I'll comment on it. Um, yeah, I know that it, I think it's harder for lower extremity amputees to do, but I know that a lot of upper extremity amputees have actually issued challenges to friends to don't use your dominant arm for an entire day. You know, keep yep. it in your pocket. See, see what life is like for me. Uh, that happens a lot during April, during Limb Loss Awareness Month, is the kind of, you know, see how it's like, Put your try to put your hair in a ponytail, or, or if you can't do a whole day, try to eat breakfast, prepare your breakfast with just one hand. Um, you know, so I thought that those were really interesting ways to do it as well. Yeah, the, the challenge of simple activities with a missing limb, this goes back to where we started the discussion when you said, you know, have you ever had to do an effort like this. And I remember speaking to um, a woman uh, from Canada who is a prosthetist. She's also um, an amputee herself. And she uh, you know, has made herself into a, a, an insurance expert um, in the province in which she is, which is a, a, a province that's very uh, 
very restrictive on what it will do prosthetically for, for amputees. And she would go in front of government authorities and say, all right, everybody, stand up from your chair right now, but you can only use one leg to do it. Okay. And, you know, when people are forced to, to try to stand on one leg, mm-hmm. able-bodied people, it becomes apparent very quickly, oh, wait a second. This is very different. Yeah. This is not, you know, and, and so the, the challenge of doing the simplest tasks, but doing them as if you're missing a limb is a great way to try to level the playing field and illustrate, uh, the, the, the challenges that we face. And, um, in so doing, change change people's minds about well why why would one type of knee versus another type of knee for example be needed the the whole purpose of that exercise was all right now imagine that you um imagine that you have a second leg but it doesn't help you up at all so now you can use it but it's only there for balance Mm -hmm. you know and and telling them that is the normal non-state-of-the-art um prosthetic technology that's available Nothing that will push you upwards. So, do you, what do you think, folks? Do you think that's do you think that's replacing the the limb at an adequate level? And they all say, no, it's not. And that gets you into a discussion about, all right, this is why more advanced technologies are needed. I really that's like why that. you should be approving these. I like that. Yeah, it's it was. Yeah. I was struck by it, and I wish I had thought of it. I wasn't smart enough to, but it is something. It, it is. It's a really great way to talk to people about limb loss. Um, another, another thing, Peggy, that you can do is simply invite other people to just watch you. You know, if, if you're, if you're with somebody and, um, they know you're an amputee, spend some, you know, invite them to spend some time with you and just follow you around because it's really interesting to, for, for people to observe in real time, how you navigate the world and they'll see the shortcuts you're taking. They'll see how you're, you're doing doing things that are different, but that are highly effective to achieve the same thing that they do without thinking about it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good idea unless you're like me. And if I know that I'm with somebody who does is is completely able-bodied, I will go out of my way to kind of prove that I don't do anything different. (laughs) Yeah. Which is, is not the most healthy approach. I know that. So if you're going to have somebody follow you around and and do that suggestion, try to be authentic with what the experience is really like, not how you want them to perceive that you're like. Yeah. A really good friend of our podcast, uh, Stella Sieber, did uh, did a video, I remember maybe two years ago now, a year or two years ago, where as as a bilateral AK, she showed what life was like in her home mm-hmm. um, and how she navigated it. And it was incredibly powerful yeah, and was highly good. effective. Um, and and that's, that's a way of, you know, sh- spending time with other people without anyone really being there. But that video was incredibly illustrative. And you could show it to anybody and they would say, my goodness, this is, I never thought about any of those things. We should try to find a link of that and include that. Yeah, Stella, if you're listening, reach out to us. She will. Hi, Stella. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A lot of times, Dave, these are difficult conversations to have with people, um, but I think that we've outlined some reasons why they're important to have. Um, It it comes down to 
knowledge is power, right? So even if it's not an experience that somebody is living in the moment, that doesn't mean that one, they may not live it in the future because you never know, or two, they may not become an ally in somebody who will really help the community and lend their voice to our issues and to our, you know, to our causes and to the legislation that we need and to our fights. Yep. Great point. It, ultimately, this is about, as, you, as you've heard me say multiple times, it's about bridging that gap. And that has significant positive ramifications, uh, not only to the individuals we speak to, but for our own community and uh, their well-being and their future long term. Absolutely. Um, helps them understand uh, what life is really like, helps with advocacy and the more the more we let people into our lives and into what the issues really are i think that the entire community really benefits because the the person that you're educating today will at some point interact with somebody in the future and will be able to relay those lessons yep totally agree peggy all right i think we covered it thank you great discussion thanks for flagging this topic good talking to you All right. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.